Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We are reading the entire Bible together, one chapter at a time. And we have been looking at some really cool chapters here in Isaiah, chapters 6, 7, and now chapter 8. These prophecies that we hear so often around Christmas, and you had that one just yesterday about Emmanuel, God with us. And we were looking at how, you know, Emmanuel, I mean, that, that just sounds so beautiful around Christmas time, but you look in the original context with King Ahaz and man, Emmanuel, that, that sounded pretty scary at the time. And we kind of have a little bit more of that today in chapter eight. You have some of the familiar characters here. We're talking about, again, Reason, King of Damascus, aka Syria. You've also got uh, Pika, the son of Remaliah the king in the north who's in alliance with him. And so you got these guys again. But now there's a new guy with a new fun name. It's Maher Shalal Hashbaz. It's a bit of a mouthful. That's not the son of the king, but this is referring to Isaiah's son. Another one of these prophetic names. So what does that mean? Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Um, and taking a look at more of this prophecy of these children and these kings and what is going on here. We're going to dig into the original context and hopefully we'll come out seeing how the pieces fit together a little bit more clearly. And joining us today, we've got Pastor John Lekomsky from Southern Illinois, though I'm never really sure if he's in Southern Illinois whenever I say that, but good morning and welcome, brother. No, I'm still in Minnesota for a month, <laughs> we're coming back. Because you guys are okay. still having, well, you don't know. You're in California. That's I don't know. I don't state. know. We're on opposite <laughs> sides of the country. But they tell me it's like still in the 90s down in, 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 in uh, St. Louis area. Oh. And uh, we're, we're, we've got 60s up here in Minnesota. So Wow. <laughs> I'd take the <laughs> 60s. Kind of That's cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Nope. No, Not um, bad. But, Not bad. All right. So, no. yeah, he's just going to hang out there. You know, Pastor Lekomsky's just bunkering down in, in Minnesota till things clear up. <laughs> yeah, so, so it cools off a little bit in St. Yeah. Louis. Although, I tell you what, I tell you what, AJ, I, I've already had to wear a coat here. <laughs> so, oh, we're, really? We're sense we, need to, we need to start moving pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, well, so we haven't... Oh, gosh, winter is coming. Yeah, we haven't quite busted out the coats and jackets yet in Southern California. I mean, it's uh, September is still a somewhat warmer month. Um, so we have a mixture of like 90 degree days and like 72 degree days. So it just kind of depends on the day. But it's it's definitely not cold yet. But we're hoping that we get a real fall soon, hopefully in October. It's it's no fun when when Halloween is still like in the 90s. <laughs> yeah but anyways anyways so yeah chapter chapter eight here it's continuing on what we had in chapter seven and isn't it isn't just Mahershala Hashbaz one of your favorite characters in the bible oh it is <laughs> I'm glad you pronounced it and not me <laughs> yeah well, all the all the English pronunciations are made up anyway because they're all Hebrew names right but yeah we, we've got a lot of these uh yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of these, um, a lot of these things, again, you know, they, they seem familiar, but the original context is, is not so familiar as when we say it around Christmas, right? No, no. Although, see, we, we're kind of in the odd situation because you got the beautiful passage in chapter seven about uh, the Emmanuel, uh, born of a virgin. And then in the next chapter, we've got the beautiful things about light has shined upon those walking in darkness. And we're just stuck in this chapter eight between those <laughs> great at Christmas text, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Next time for Isaiah 9, right? Yeah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Yeah, you know, just, you know, beautiful stuff. And that's, you also get the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. But, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta have chapter eight or else that stuff kind of just gets, I don't know how to say this, like kind of untethered from the ground you know it's like a balloon that just kind of gets away from you and up up and away it goes and we, we, we don't know how it like connects to earth anymore you know it, it's uh it is nice to have these chapters seven and eight and you see okay wow this was like a this is like a real historical situation when all this was going down uh we were talking about that a little bit last time this is no you know just kind of legendary prophecy or something like that but this is all anchored in these very uh you know life and death uh, real life events, and, and, and you know what? I, I really like that analogy of, of anchoring it 
because the thing is, is we hear those two beautiful verses in 7 and in, in eight, uh, 9, uh, and, and they just sound so wonderful, and they're so Christmassy, and we're so happy, and, oh, this is just wonderful. Uh, and, and yet, as you point out, these people are actually undergoing some great, great trials, and the trials are not going to let up. They're going to get worse. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet, in light of the darkness, I guess this is the chapter that describes the darkness isn't right. it wonderful to know that there is still a light that will shine upon them and upon us when we're in our times of darkness as well? Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's well said. I mean, like you know, the the news that oh, the light is coming that doesn't sound very exciting when you have lots of light already, right? Like yeah. it, it's not yeah. really meaningful. It's not really something that inspires really any real hope unless the darkness is there. You know that that's why it's relief. That's why it's something look you look forward to. That's you know that that's why these crazy mouthful names are are, are hopeful things because <laughs> because life is crazy at the time, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, let's let's go ahead and get into this. But as we do, would you say a prayer for us, for everybody listening, for our connections this morning, um, and that we would be guided by the light of Christ here as we do this reading here in chapter eight. Oh, Lord, as always, we ask your help, for we understand that there is no understanding uh, apart from that which is given by your Holy Spirit. Uh, these chapters, uh, particularly chapter 8, are very difficult. They're all wrapped up in history that we're probably not really familiar with names that seem odd and strange. Uh, and yet, oh Lord, you, you are telling us the story of people who are very much like us, and you're telling us a story that is intended to bring us hope in our struggles and our trials. And, and we pray, oh Lord, that by your Spirit we will hear it as such. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Shall we go ahead and read the first four verses? Well, well let me just, because I know you guys are doing this chapter by chapter, and then I'm yes. thrown in here in the middle. So just a, just a little context for my benefit and maybe for listeners that haven't been. So, so last time we, we have Isaiah going to the king of Judah, going to Ahaz. And again, yep. very similar, presenting a sign that involves a child. And of course, Ahaz refuses that. Uh, mm-hmm. What we have here in chapter 8 is now Isaiah is going to the people, to the people there of Judah. And I think particularly, uh, you might argue with me, I don't care. <laughs> I think particularly his followers. Uh, he's addressing everybody, but I think there's okay, yeah, sure. some particular words to, to those who, who yeah, are that's his right. followers. He mentions them later, um, yeah. And then here I have a question, because I, I, I've read several commentaries, and there seems to be... We're not quite sure what the historical context, but I'm assuming the context is that that they're having trouble with Syria and with Israel, and and they're they're looking to the Assyrians to come to their rescue. Uh, and, mm. and Isaiah is basically saying, "Oh yeah, Assyria is going to rescue you. That's all right. They're going to run right. you over. That's what they're going to do." Am mm-hmm. I if I got that set in the right context, there, uh, yeah. AJ? That, that, that's exactly what we were saying last time, right? That you know you're okay. making a deal all with right. the devil, and he's going to go ahead and wipe out your enemies, and then you too. Okay, cool. Uh, well then, all right, I'm ready to read then. All right. Yeah. Good. Good point though that he was you know confronting Ahaz right when he was doing that can, that inspection of the waterway, right? And now this is right. this is just for everybody, right? So right. here we are. And you see that first, in these first verses, they were putting up a yep. stone for everybody. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, All right, first four verses then. Then the Lord said to me, take a large tablet and write on it in common characters belonging to Mahershalal Hashbaz, and I will get reliable witnesses, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeberechiah, to attest for me. And I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said to me, Call his name Mahershalal Hashbaz. For before the boy knows how to cry, My father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. All right, so pausing there, okay, because we just, like I was mentioning earlier, there's so many names, and here they all basically came at us in the first four verses here. So... Um, there, there are some names that we can make some something out of, and there are other names we don't really know who they refer to. So help help walk us through this. Okay, well, well, we, we've got this strange thing where, where God is just using children and the names all over. So this is this is the second time we have a son of Isaiah who has a significant name. Uh, right. I'll try to. Is it Jer Jer Jashub? Am I pronouncing it right? Or Jer Jer Jashub? 
summary of it yeah okay but so here's what's neat so you come to these guys you come to everybody and say hey there's good i'm gonna have a child here's the name god says we should name that child and then nine months later you end up having the baby now now how many kids have you got aj just two two okay. but that's plenty for me <laughs> i ended up having three and that was plenty but i'll tell you this much it, it doesn't work that way you don't get up and say, "Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna uh, uh, have a have, have a child." We're gonna no, no. You you and he. We do what he does. He went to the prophetess. You know, he goes to his wife. But there's no predicting that's going to be now, today. It might be a year. But in this mm -hmm. case, no. It's nine months to the date, and and then you begin to think, "Oh, maybe we need to be hearkening to these uh, words of Isaiah." There's. The, you know, and you got witnesses. We got witnesses to verify. That's what he said. Yeah. This is what's happening. So that that's, I, I think yeah. that's what's going on here. Yeah. I, I like that. You know, you think of temporary, contemporary examples. Like you think of like the, um, there's like the debt clock, like the U.S. debt clock. There's like a dedicated oh, yeah. website, yeah. and you get that that infographic sometimes, and it's like this is the debt. And sometimes, like when it comes to, I, I just think of like nuclear proliferation. There's the the minutes to midnight, right? And sometimes you get like right. that very dramatic, like minutes to midnight. Oh, there's fewer minutes now, and we just. Oh, all this saber rattling. There's, you know, just what we just lost another minute, right? And so there's these kinds of dramatic uh, clocks that we have as a way of kind of putting into terms the the imminence of something, right? Just how close something right. is. And and I think what, I think you're just right. There's in, in many ways there's kind of uh, no more kind of just in your face and dramatic of a clock than a. Uh, a pregnancy, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's oh, just, yeah. it's, wow. it's coming, you know, and like, you know, and then, you know, that baby bump gets bigger and bigger and it's like, it's soon, you know, and we don't know when, but it's going to be soon. And, and when it happens, we're going to, everything just has to stop because it's going to be, you know, just like, you know, urgent, it's going to be like a, you know, thunderstrike, you know? So yeah, I think there is something just a, a very dramatic and public kind of clock that God is putting in their midst. And, and, you know, see, I like that analogy, too. I hadn't even thought about that. But but you're right. When when the child comes, it comes. And there's no yeah. stopping it. You're not going to prevent that. And, and I think about that image that Jesus uses, too, about, about uh, you know, the, the, the woman in childbirth. And, and that that's how it'll yep. be. It's a very painful yep. thing. But in the end, it actually ends up being a thing of joy. So, uh, yeah, it's just kind of neat how God works. 
Yeah. Well, and it is, it is interesting, you know, I mean, both of these, these children, right? They, they are, you know, uh, of course there, there's joy, right? But the, they're, they're kind of ominous uh, harbingers though, right? I mean, like you have Emmanuel and Emmanuel, that name comes up again in in the context of Emmanuel. We're going to see in a few verses, it's like, well, God is with you. And it's kind of like a good and a bad thing, (laughs) Um, you know, because it's being a center in the presence of God. That's not all a bed of roses. And then similarly here with uh, with this guy, Isaiah's son, Maher Shalal Hashbaz, it's sort of, I mean, like the name, even the name, right? I mean, it's like what you were saying, like this, like the, what is it? The the spoil speeds and the, um, well, what is, what is it again? The prey hastens. The, the prey hastens. Yeah, the spoil speeds and the prey hastens, right? I mean, just, I yeah, mean, even yeah. even then, it's like, you know, I guess there's this idea of, you know, okay, the prey hastens, like maybe like the prey, like, you know, gets away from the predator, maybe, but like, it just doesn't sound like a happy name, right? <laughs> no, it is not a happy name. No, no. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you're exactly right. Even the name Emmanuel, as we'll see in this chapter, it's a stumbling block. It could be the greatest thing in the world, but again, it could be the cause of your downfall as well. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, let's go ahead and read that because this is actually pretty cool how Emmanuel actually comes up twice here in the next oh, several yeah. verses oh. here. So let's let's read that far and then we can kind of take a few minutes to kind of see what Emmanuel looks like in chapter eight, um, having looked at chapter seven already. So here's verse five. The Lord spoke to me again, because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently and rejoice over Rezin, the son of Remaliah. Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks, and it will sweep on to Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Be broken you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. And again, that's the Emmanuel there at the end Mm -hmm. in the Hebrew. That's right. You're reading That's right. In, In Hebrew, in the Hebrew, it's literally because Emmanuel. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, just uh, another ominous prophecy, right? It's like, you know, you could have had the gentle waters of Shiloh, but instead you're going to get this river that's going to come and it's going to come and it's going to go up to your neck here. And I mean, it's very interesting the way that he puts it there. Again, we see glory is uh, glory, glory and presence. These, these are things you got to be careful what you wish for, right? The king of Assyria and all yes. his glory. Here that comes. Is that a good thing? Well, see, as we've seen, for like since chapter six, and I mean, and even before that, whenever like Isaiah talks about glory, it's like, better look out. This glory is going to, you know, burn your, your hair off. And, 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 you know, that, that's the whole thing. I, I, it summarizes the issue. Uh, not that it's wrong to make allies, not that it's wrong to uh, have treaties. But the problem is these people are putting their trust in the Assyrians rather than their faith in God. And they think the Assyrians are going to be their deliverers. And Isaiah said, well, you're you're right about that. He is going to come and take care of your enemies there. He's going to take care of Israel. He's going to take care of Syria. What you don't understand, he's even going to sweep into Judah. And he'll overflow and pass on reaching the neck. He's going to overrun you Almost, almost. See that? That's the. If you know the whole story, you know he's going to take over Judah, but not Jerusalem. Somehow, Jerusalem is going to be spared by Assyria, uh, and that, of course, is again about the O Emmanuel. Isn't it? Isn't it really cool, AJ? He's calling the people now, who will eventually face this great enemy of Assyria. He's calling them by the same name. Uh, he he calls the, the 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 one who will be the savior, the one born of a virgin. Uh, and I just think yeah. it's a really neat thing that he identifies these people with, of course, who we know is Jesus, his own son. And I think that's a great comfort for us to know that even when we are facing the darkness and the consequences of our sin, no, 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 we still have the Emmanuel. God is still with us. I will never yeah. leave you or forsake thee, he says. Uh, and that, of course, becomes the whole issue here. What are you going to trust in? Are you going to trust in your works? Are you going to trust in earthly leaders? Are you going to trust in the one who is the 
God with us, Emmanuel. And, and the lesson, of course, is no, there's nobody to trust but him. Yeah. Yeah, John, that, that point about, you know, how he's addressing them by that name, you know, that really, that really stands out to me too. And of course, we see that in the New Testament, how, of course, we, we are called by the name of Christ. I mean, like we actually literally bear his name, right? We're called Christians. Like, yeah. you know, we have his yeah. name. We are the church. We're the body of Christ. There is this sense that our identity is, is him, right? You know, I mean, Paul talks this way, you know, um, it's not I who live, but Christ lives in me. There's this sense that, you know, that's who we are. We are, we are Christ in this sense, understood correctly. And, and so here they are in this precursor sense. And it's interesting because we kind of talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday, how Judah sort of became like synonymous with the whole people of God at this point. Um, at this point, the northern tribes, well, I mean, at, at least in view of this prophecy, right, the northern tribes are just going to be gone. There's not going to be anything left, and it's just going to be kind of everybody huddle up and retreat to Judah, and everyone, everything's just going to be kind of merged and folded into Judah. It's just going to be synonymous at this point with, um, you know, the people of Israel. It's just there's not really a people of Israel at this point. It's just Judah. And so you, you have that in the previous in the previous chapter you have the prophet speaking to um, the house of Judah, as it were. You know, you, you have him speaking to the house of David. Um, you have him speaking to Ahaz and and the whole uh, of what he represents. You know, he represents the whole people. And, I mean, that's that interesting thing, and maybe we'll have a chance to talk about that after our break coming up in, like, 15 seconds. Um, but, you know, if you see that as having a local fulfillment in Hezekiah, that's... It's a very inch. It's provocative. I, I, I want to talk about that in a second, but let's hold on to that thought, everybody. Going into a short break on Thy Strong Word, looking at Isaiah chapter eight. Be right back. Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas will host its annual fundraising golf tournament on Friday, October 4th at Heritage Ranch Golf and Country Club. In 2018, they raised over $6,000 for the athletics program along with tuition assistance. For this year, they're hoping to raise funds for their school archery program. If you'd like some more information about Faith Lutheran School and their golf tournament, contact them via their webpage, flsplano.org. On this Tuesday, September 24th, 2019, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsor, Carolyn Mano of Florissant, Missouri. Carolyn made a contribution to KFUO Radio in loving memory of her parents, Vernon and Mildred Bachman of Farrar, Missouri. Tomorrow, on September 25th, they would have been married for 70 years. Carolyn is thankful for the blessing that they were to her in her life. Thank you, Carolyn Mano, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsor. LCMS Disaster Response gathers once a year to learn best practices on how to do mercy and respond to natural disasters. We're inviting you to get involved in the conversation. Join us at Concordia Seminary St. Louis from October 2nd through the 4th to hear from pastors, experienced disaster responders, and disaster victims as they share their wisdom and experience from the field. Registration including meals is just $50, but seats are limited. For more information, go to lcms.org disaster. That's lcms.org disaster. Welcome back, everybody, to Die Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're joined today by Pastor John Lekumski. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 8. And we were just talking about how you have this prophecy here that's kind of sandwiched between, you know, these well-known Christmas prophecies about, you know, uh, to, uh, for, I guess in verse 
where is it here? In chapter seven, you have the one that, you know, the virgin will be with child and you will call his name Emmanuel. In chapter nine, you've got the one that's like, you know, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, wonderful counselor, mighty God and all the rest. But here is this somewhat uh, gloomy, somewhat ominous, and yet there's some kind of silver lining to the cloud kind of situation here in chapter eight. And we were just looking at the name Emmanuel, which, which occurs twice here when he says, um, Isaiah says um, that, where is it? In verse eight, referring to the king of Assyria, that he will sweep on into Judah, O Emmanuel. And then in verse 10, um, speak a word, but it will not stand for Emmanuel. God is with us. So uh, this this happens during the reign of Hezekiah. It actually comes to pass that they come right up to the neck, Hezekiah. And this is actually, I think, didn't we find like something? It was, um, we actually like found like an archaeological like record from outside of Israel describing this this battle, this conflict. And of course, the, the Assyrians were like, oh yeah, we, we had Hezekiah cornered. We had him like a bird in a cage. And it's they, they're basically declaring victory, like yeah, he couldn't do anything. Um, but on the other hand, um, really Hezekiah and the people of Israel are gonna or Judah, better said, are gonna say here, really, I mean, this is victory for us. This is God sparing us when He really could have wiped us out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so all of this stuff is being laid out and, and prophesied long before any of it happens, long before they even anticipate that any of this is going to happen. But that, that's the whole point of this chapter. And for us, whatever God says is going to be true. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing. God is the Emmanuel. He will always be the Emmanuel. He is the only one in whom you can turn and pray and put your faith. Uh, so, yeah. Right. That's right. And, and so in, in, it kind of strikes me as analogous that Isaiah, you know, he's in the presence of God in chapter six. He has the vision of the seraphim in the temple filled with smoke and the burning fiery altar, right? And so being in the presence of God, what happens, right? Well, there has to be some kind of reckoning for sin. And, and he has this, you know, burning fiery coal, you know, you know, touch his lips, which I mean, if you stop and you think about it, that does not sound like a pleasant <laughs> thing. No, no. Um, probably yeah, not yeah. a comfortable thing. But in the end, even though there's, I mean, that's a very painful image, it, it's it's worked for good, right? Because it forgives his sin and, and Isaiah doesn't have to die by standing in God's presence. Right. So similarly, right, here comes Emmanuel. God is with us, right? As it says in verse 10, that's the translation, God is with us. God is is with Hezekiah and the people of Judah, and that's on the one hand, it's not uh, pleasant. It's not a bed of roses. It, it's going to mean that their agriculture can be totally wiped out. That's the description in chapter seven. They're not going to have agriculture anymore. They're not going to have vineyards. They're going to basically be wandering shepherds and gatherers. So they're going to eat, you know, fruit, and they're going to, I guess, have a lot of dairy products because that's about all they're going to be able to manage right um but they will survive but they will be spared it will be worked for good exactly exactly and 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 that's the same thing that's going to be emphasized in in, in the next verses as well yeah very, very good nice pivot all right let's go ahead and take a look at the next several verses here starting at verse 11 for the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. All right. So maybe just pausing there. I mean, it keeps on going with verse 16. But I, I mean, just uh, as you were alluding to just a second ago, right, God's presence here, it's, I mean, it's a mixed, it's a mixed bag, right? On the one hand, he's a stone uh, he, he's a sanctuary, right? But on the other hand, he's a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling. So, so, so here he's. I, at this point, I think he's t talking to his followers, 
And he's acknowledging just what you said, that when the presence of God comes up, there's always going to be trouble. <laughs> See, that's, yes. that's the difference between us as Lutherans and, and, and some other branches of Christianity where the whole emphasis, oh, you know, if you really believe in God, if you really have faith, then your life will just be full of blessings and you're going to have a big mansion and, uh, you know, three or four different uh, expensive cars. And, of course, if you don't have these things, well, then obviously there's something wrong with your faith. Whereas the, the scriptural teaching always is, no, when, when God shows up, there's going to be problems. There's going to be problems, because this is a sinful world. This is not a world that welcomes the Emmanuel. This right. is a world that will oppose him. And when you put his name on you, which you said right. so well earlier, A.J., right? In fact, in baptism, that's what happens. You get the right. name. We're not just Christians as a religion. We are people right. that have the very name of God, and that means there's going to be problems. But yeah. don't do what the world does, right? The world calls conspiracy. The world calls fear. Oh, you know, what is God doing here? He's, uh, you know, no, 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 no. Don't, don't do what the world does. In fact, if you, if you want to fear somebody, fear God, because he is a frightening thing to fall into the hands of the right. uh, living God. Um, and indeed, that's the thing. Uh, but but here's here's what makes the difference. Why will some stumble? Why will some fall and be broken? Uh, it's because they don't believe. They reject mm -hmm. the Emmanuel. Um, in fact, let me see if I can find that here. Paul takes this very passage, and this is what Paul teaches in Romans. Uh, why? Right. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have a stumbling over the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So that's mm -hmm. the issue here. You reject him? Oh, yeah, he's, he's going to be a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, ironically, of course, he's not a stumbling block to be mean. He's a stumbling block that you might repent, <laughs> that you might realize he is your Emmanuel. He's your only hope. He's only your, your only source of deliverance of salvation. Uh, but yeah, so, this, so that's this. This is addressing the key issue of all Scripture, and that is the issue of faith, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter nine. Well, and, and so thank for you for bringing that up. He's a sanctuary. He's a sanctuary. That's but right. Without faith, no, no. Then he is a stone of offense. Yeah. That, that's right. He's both at the same time, and how you experience it's going to depend on the question of, of faith, as you were just saying. And um, I, I actually I'm, I was remiss to read out the numbers again. Our our uh, our listeners are so good about calling in when they have a connection or when they notice another part of Scripture that has to do with something. If you've got an observation and you're listening live or a question or a comment for us, if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Elsewhere, you can call 1-800-730-2727, or as always, an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. But yeah, the, the language of stumbling, right, this is, or, or, or being firm, the, this is a language that's kind of been developed um, a, a few different places, right? Back in chapter seven, you know, what was he saying to Ahaz? If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. You know, the, the question is, are, are you going to be shaken, right? Because that, that's the description at the beginning of chapter 7 yeah. we saw, yeah. right? Yeah. That the, the heart of the people shook as trees of the forest shake before the wind, right? right? And so this, this is the question. Will you be shaken? Will you be on shaky ground? Will you stumble? Will you fall into a snare? Or will you stand firm on on Yahweh, who is the rock. And th this is the language that you have, you know, all developed throughout and even earlier in in the earlier uh, prophecies that we had in, in chapter one and two and three and four, the same sort of thing. And, and that whole difference is, is faith, just like you were saying in Romans nine. And, and, and what, a, again, what a cool image you brought up, AJ, because a rock can actually be a really good thing, especially if there's a flood of water coming through, like it says here. You want to find that high rock, you want to stand on that rock right. so the flood will go around you. But on the other hand, yeah, it, it, it can be a thing that you stumble and fall, and, and the crucial issue is the issue of faith. Who are you going to put your trust in? And, and that's the problem. The people are not going to put their trust in God. They're going yeah. to put their trust in Ahaz. They're going to put their trust in the Assyrians. And, and they're going to see dramatically, that's not somebody you want to trust. No, no, yeah. no. But, but, but he still remains the Emmanuel. I think that's what is so cool in this text. 
You know, yeah. he doesn't abandon his people even when they don't trust him. He's still the God yeah. with us. Well, yeah, and it's um and I think this is this really lends itself too to why the language of faith is also the language of seeing or enlightenment or having light versus being in darkness. You know, and it, and it's it's about your perspective, right? And that's what he's talking about here, yeah. perspective. Do not do not fear what they fear nor be in dread. I mean, God is telling Isaiah to see things a certain way and to have right. and, and to and to see things by God's light, which means that you're going to look at things and see it differently and like you were saying if you can look and you can see and you have light, you can identify a rock and be like, hey, that's a good thing for me to get on before this flood comes through. But if you're in the darkness, you're just going to be tripping over it. And I mean, that, those rocks could be more treacherous than the water themselves. And so it has everything to do with the eyes of faith and being able to being able to see and and having that perspective that says, actually, the scariest thing here in life is God himself. And, and and that's it's a weird paradox because it's only by fearing God the most that you come to actually have peace, and that's yeah. that's what you that's what you get in this name, Lord of Hosts, right? And there's Yahweh of Sabaoth, like you know, General Yahweh, the, the commander of the armies. If we fear Him, then the, the scariest being in the universe becomes our friend. It's that that's the paradox that that brings peace. Yeah, and so that's the crazy thing, right? The commandment is fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Right, and right. so when you recognize everything is absolutely under control of God, in fact, no one of us is going to die except at the will of God, which is a scary thing. But then, like you yeah. said, you realize, oh, wait a second, though, that that's a good thing that he's the one to fear because he's also the one of compassion and mercy. He's the one I can love. He's the one I can trust. So that even that, even when death comes, that's not going to be a bad thing. That's going to be the greatest thing that you've ever, ever experienced in your life. Sad again for everybody around you, no doubt. Maybe frightened even for you as you face it. And yet, because of the Emmanuel, it actually is. They can't get anything better than that, uh, than, than when the Lord takes takes you to his blessings in heaven. If you could read the next two verses, because I think they illustrate that exact point that we've been talking about. Right, right. Well, yeah, ex exactly. Because it's this perspective. It's not just for Isaiah personally, but as you said, these are these are these second person plural forms here in, in verse twelve. So I mean, this is is for Isaiah and also you know his students, the ones who are learning with him and who have this different perspective. Yeah. So let's read these next two verses. Bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob and I will hope in him. So even though God is hiding his face, right? I mean, and it looks dark, right? These guys, yeah, because yeah. they have the teaching of God, there's light. So, so, so this hiding the face thing, which is an image that Luther picks up, and, and, and I didn't realize that it came from Isaiah chapter 8. But see, this is the thing. When you look at the world around you, you're might not going to see God. Like, here's the yeah. irony. Actually, you look at the world around you, and there's all kinds of blessings. We have had such a great time being in Minnesota this summer. It's just, it's good. And then we've got this great place to come back to. So we've been talking about Of course, the sad thing is most of us don't see that. We, we think right. it's because of our hard work and our effort, and we don't realize, oh, this is a reason to give thanks and praise to God. Right. But, but when you start looking at the world around you, you're also going to see these because we've got things going on in our life too in the midst of these blessings. Right. And, and that's the point. When you look at the world around you, very often God will be hidden. But the mm -hmm. reason is that's not where you see God. Where you see God is in the testimony, in the teaching, in the word. That's where you truly find out what God is like. And, and, and you're not going to find out in the world. I'm sorry. You just won't find out in the world. It's only in the in the scriptures, in the testimony, in the teaching that you'll find out the Lord, the Lord of God, merciful and gracious, yeah. slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I, I mean, you, you see that occasionally in the world around you, but you will not see it consistently. Well, um, yeah. Yeah, John, I was going to say, like, I, I think I, I'm totally tracking with you that, you know, if you'll just look at the world, yeah, it's just, it looks, it looks bad. I remember like C.S. Lewis and Mere Christianity said, if you look at the world, what do you think about God? Well, yeah, you'd say that he's a beautiful artist because look, just look at the beauty 
in, in the world. He must have a thing for art, you know, the way that he was designed and put everything together. He would also say he's a terrifying monster and no friend of man because the world's a scary place with a million ways to die. You, you know, I mean, and so you look at the world all by itself and that's true. I mean, God, God seems very hidden. Uh, the other, the other way though, I, I might, I might put it though, is that maybe the word is, is the light or the lamp that shines into the world. And then when we look at the world, then we can see God by the light of the word that it's like a lens, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know, like you, you put on like a, your infrared or something in the darkness. And now all of a sudden, when you look at the world, it's not just a big empty mess, but you can actually see shapes and forms. And actually you can see God in the world, but only with the light that comes from his testimony, as you were saying. I love that, A.J. That's exactly the point, isn't it? So you look at the world without the Word of God, and it is nothing but a place of darkness. In fact, I'm thinking, as much as we have loved the summer in Minnesota, you cannot find a better place to be in the summer. Within the next month or two, this place will become <laughs> six foot of snow and negative yeah. 30 degrees, and you would certainly think, where is God in that? <laughs> right. Right. But you're yeah. right. When you take the word, they look, oh, well, there's still good things here. God is still at work. No, this isn't the darkness that I thought it was. But you're right. Yeah, that, that light of the word. And you begin to see that the hand of the Lord is even in the coming of the Assyrians. How can that right. be? But he is. He's in the coming of the Assyrians. Yeah. Right. A good point, AJ. The word yeah. actually shines into the world and shows you where God was before where you thought he was hidden. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just reminded of, of course, like the verse, thy word is a light, a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path, right? That it's, um, it just changes your perspective on everything. And, you know, if you were, if you were to try to read the signs of the times and try to figure out where all this is going just by looking at things all by themselves, I mean, you'd just be, I mean, this is what happens, right? And people are trying to make predictions yeah. and they're just really, really wrong, you know, and, and just you can end up being more lost than you started trying to, you know, make sense of it all. But what, when you have your perspective changed, then then things can happen and you can actually, because you're guided by the word, say, you know, hey, like God is up to something here. And, and, and like things actually begin to fall into place and make sense. And you see, you know, what Paul talks about that, you know, all these things are, working to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose that, you know, even in the midst of these, you know, scary things that happen when God shows up, there's a purpose in the end. Well, and that's why I love the verse two where it says bind up the testimony. So that's, that's the spoken word, seal the teaching Torah there in the Hebrew. So that is, that is, that is the word itself. Uh, and the point is there, you just wait, you're going to see this is all true. You may have reason to doubt it. Maybe even yourself are, are wrestling with these things. But no, no, it's sealed. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's bound up. You're going to see exactly what. And, and of course, that's exactly what happens. Everything that Isaiah says, a lot of it's sad, a lot of it tragic. Uh, the Assyrians will come and and they'll besiege the city, and then King Nebuchadnezzar will come and capture the city. But right. As uh, Isaiah's first son's name said. A remnant shall return. No, no, the Lord is still Emmanuel. He's still going right. to be with you, and he's still going to fulfill his promise. Yeah. Uh, that's right. That's right. Just wait and see. And, and actually, that's kind of what the next verse says. Again, pointing us to that that kind of dramatic living clock and countdown timer. Well, let's go ahead and read the the rest of the chapter here, and we'll still have a few minutes to look at these verses here. So we we read through verse seventeen, I think. So picking it up at eighteen, then behold. I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry, and when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and against their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness and gloom and anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. I mean, isn't this just what we were talking about? Like, they look up 
and they're angry at God. They look down and there's distress and darkness. If you don't have the light of God's word, you look at the world and you just are angry and scared. And, and, you know, see, that's that's the point. It's not a matter of where you're looking. I I think you hit it right on the head. It's a matter that you're not looking at these things through, uh, what's he say here, the teaching and the testimony. Okay, because mm-hmm. if you're not looking at the teaching testimony, it doesn't matter whether you look up, whether you look down. No, no, it, it's just not going to make any sense to you. Uh, it's really neat that this first verse, "Behold, I am the children the Lord has given me," and, and mm-hmm. I think the immediate context is exactly what we've been talking about. God gave him two children with mm-hmm. very powerful prophetic names. But isn't it? It's cool that the author of Hebrews takes this verse up and applies it to us. Let me see where mm. that passage is at. So, oh, yeah. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. And that's in reference to Jesus. So I just think it's neat that, that here the uh, New Testament says, here's a promise again that we are the children. We are the children. And how it goes for us will be the sign. It will be the portrait. Um, and what a blessing that is for us to know that, no, 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 we, we are going to have struggles and trials, but in the end, uh, the Lord will deliver us. Uh, that's the promise. Um, and, of course, you have this whole business about, again, they, they turn to mediums, they turn to people who try right. to get messages from the dead, and it's just, why, why are you doing that? Why are you looking for in all the wrong places when you've got a guy right. to inquire? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, right. I mean, it's, you know, you, know you, you look out at the chaotic world and you want somebody to make sense of it. And so you're willing oh, to even yeah. go to these these people who, I mean, do some pretty nasty things to get the answers, but at least they'll get you some answers. Right. And, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, it's just like what happened with Ahaz. Right. The reason why they don't go to God is because they don't want the answer that God's going to give them. <laughs> Ahaz, Ahaz doesn't want the sign that Isaiah is offering. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that, that's a great sign, but I don't want to put God to the test, you know? And so we, we lie to ourselves. And the fact is we, we, when we actually are lost in darkness, it's because we have chosen to be lost in darkness. And we are trying to, you know, hide from the light lest we see something we don't want to see. Well, so if you come to the light, the light shows that you're a sinner, doesn't it? That's what it shows. And there's no yeah. getting over it. You're not going to save yourself from that, and the wages of sin is death. That's what the light yep. brings. But yep. then when you, you hear the word of God, you realize this is what God does. He forgives sinners. He gives eternal life to those who are dead. Yes, that's what he does. So you right. need to know that so that you can rejoice in the light. But like, as you said earlier, A.J., if, if, you don't, if you don't realize you're in the darkness, no, then the light doesn't mean anything to you at all. In fact, you probably try to avoid the light at all costs, as, as these people are doing. But right. but you know the one thing that really strikes me about this, and, yeah. and I feel so sorry for Isaiah because Isaiah is preaching to these people, right? He's trying to offer them their hope and their faith. That's what he right. says. I will hope in Him, and yet he knows they're not going to listen because no. God's already told them that too, right? What was it in chapter six or somewhere? Yeah, it was chapter six where he right. said that they're not going to hear, they're not going to understand, uh, they'll be dull, their ears heavy, and blind their eyes. So what a frustration for Isaiah to know. I'm telling them the truth. You can bind this testimony up, but it's not going to do any good. Yeah. But right. then, that's what I think so neat. So you got the chapter. So what, 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 what happens to people that are in darkness? God shows a great light upon them. Yes, ex- exactly. Well, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So, so now, actually, that we've read chapter eight, now we'll be ready next time to look at chapter nine. Because when we're talking about yeah. this walking in darkness, we actually know what darkness we're talking about. I mean, we, we, we appreciate, of course, the kind of, the general spiritual condition, which we ourselves can relate to that we've been talking about that kind of, you know, that fear and avoidance of God and, you know, not wanting to um, cure the disease because you'd have to swallow the bitter medicine, right. And all the rest of it, admitting to sin and the rest. But we also see in this context that it's, yeah, you know, if there's going to be, you know, like his first name, the uh, Shi'ar Yashub, if there's going to be a return from exile, there has to be an exile first, right? Um, oh, and if there's yeah, going to, yeah. and if there's going to be a sparing from the Assyrian invasion, then there has to be an Assyrian invasion first, you know. <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah, there's if, if there's going to be salvation, there there has to be an enemy first, and, and it's just kind of the, yeah. the big pattern that you you see here that it's you know, if you if you want the gospel, there's got to be condemnation first, and and so on and so forth, and there's a lot of 
I mean, just our nature is that we'd prefer to just avoid all of that and say, oh, no, it's just going to be hunky-dory forever, and we're just fooling ourselves. And so what the mediums and the necromancers will tell you is that just try to be better, try to live a good life, because you know, right. if you've got enough faith, everything will be hunky-dory, just like you said. And, and, and what the testimony and what the Torah says is, no, no, you're sinners. There will always be struggles and trials, and some of it you will bring upon yourself. Uh, and yet, and yet, you have the Emmanuel. God will never, ever abandon you. Uh, in fact, he's just constantly wanting to bring you back to that light that will shine in the darkness, and then you'll begin to see, as you said earlier, AJ, you'll begin to see things how they really are. Uh, if, if God is sending us troubles, it's not because he hates us. See, that's what the necromancers would tell you. Uh, but right. if God is sending you troubles, it's because he's disciplined you because um, fathers discipline their sons because they're the ones he loves. Yeah, so... Amen. Amen. Well, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's a good note to end on. Thank you so much, brother. Always, always Thank so you, fun Andrew. having you on. And uh, yeah, may, I guess perhaps the next time we have you on, you will actually be in Southern Illinois. <laughs> no, no, one more time. One more, one more time, time in Minnesota. Minnesota. That's right. No, no, no. We still have a little bit of good weather. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah before, the, before the snow comes here, but we're, we're going right. to That's right. hang out for one, one more, two more weeks. And then we're getting out of here. All right. Sounds good. Till then, brother. Yes. Blessings, AJ. Peace and blessings, John. Everybody, that was Pastor John Lukomsky, pastor um, sojourning in Minnesota while it's still nice um, before returning to Southern Illinois. Uh, looking forward to having him in studio again. Uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in. And we ask you to also check out the website of our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. They're at lhfmissions.org. You know, I was checking out their website the other day, and I think actually there was a, there was a program spot on on kfuo that was mentioning it the the juan 316 project check that out because that is that is such important work you know it is so hard sometimes to find all these resources in languages other than english you know but so many people speak other languages so support that ministry if god moves you to do so check that out yeah lhfmissions.org and just look around the site for juan 316 cool opportunity there so moving on to Isaiah chapter nine for us, for to us, a child is born. Let's put the pieces together here and see that dawn in the midst of our darkness. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. Until then, peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.